Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, let's just take a moment and relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside. You can always pick it up later. It's not going anywhere. But just let's make ourselves available to whatever God wants to do. However he wants to make himself known to you. Now, in your spirit, you already fully know God. And you are already fully known of him. There's no shadows or questions or missing pieces or you have all the information, all the power, all the understanding you need in your spirit. So your relationship with God is perfect. You don't have to work on it. You don't have to achieve anything. You don't have to Make it to another level. Your relationship with God in your spirit is perfect. It's complete. It's eternal. That's our our spirit is not our problem. Our relationship with God is not our problem. Our soul is our problem. And it's a problem God wants you to deal with. It's Your soul, the condition of your soul, is the obstacle that God wants you to overcome. Not out of your own strength, but it is through being aware of what God is doing without interfering with it, and at the same time learning to live and move and have our being as a spirit being that has a soul in transition. You know, we hear a lot about transitioning. Well, it's your your soul that's transitioning into reunion with your spirit. And God is doing that. You know, this is part of our our struggle as a spirit being that has a soul and lives in a body. Is what kind of, how do we react to different challenges how do we we evaluate ourselves how we're doing and if we understand that okay and accept that our spirit is in perfect relationship with god and that our our focus and our attention and our challenge is all with our soul then how do we face that how do we deal with that and being the negative beings that we are, we look at where our problems are. Now, please do also look at your strengths, your soulical strengths. God gave you the soul he wanted you to have. That soul, and somewhere before you were born, I suspect, is when God gave you that soul. 
and it has all the characteristics, the strengths and weaknesses that God knew that you would need to learn whatever it is he wants you to learn while you're here on this earth. We've been talking recently about Adam and Eve. While they were wandering around in the garden, communing with each other, communing with God, communing with the animals, with with nature, with the angels, with the demons, with anybody who happened to be there. Oh, yeah, I think the demons were right there. We certainly know the snake was, the serpent, you know, Satan. Everybody was there. Everybody would come and go. Didn't matter. Everybody was perfectly in tune with God. Nobody was sneaking around where he didn't see. And all of a sudden, oh, the serpent got their attention when God wasn't looking. God had his back turned, I guess. No, this was all part of his plan. There was something missing in Adam and Eve. And it's weird. We think, okay, they were perfect. And and I don't know how many books have been written, how many religions revolve around original sin. Where did where did that come from? And we're not going to delve too deeply into that because we have to define our terms and all that other good stuff, which we just don't have the time to do in this kind of a setting. But let's just consider that they were people. Adam was a, a man and Eve was a woman. But because they were spirit beings, they knew each other after the spirit according to the Spirit, with spiritual senses. They wore their spirit on the outside. When they looked at each other, they saw spirit. They didn't see soul. They didn't see their bodies. Again, they didn't know they were naked under all that spirit because the spirit covered them. Then when that spirit died and the day they died, the spirit left them. And they saw each other according to their soul. And they saw each other according to their body. And it changed everything. And they started the long process that God himself had laid out for them. To create in them, to form in them, something that could only be created and formed through the separation that they experienced and that you and I inherited it, inherited. So whatever you're going through, let it produce the results that God desires, which brings you into greater union with him because that's his desire. You are his desire that you would be one with him, spirit, soul, and body. Now, he's making that. He's doing the hard work. But just as Adam and Eve set about doing, you know, trying to exist, 
without eternal life, without the life that was provided for them while they were wandering around in the garden with God. They had to make it on their own. You and I do too. We sometimes think that, oh, because we know more, we have a Bible, we have all these other experiences, you know, throughout generation to generation. Is it working? Did what Adam and Eve learn and and their progeny, generation after generation, did what they learn produce the results God was looking for? Apparently not. So he sent his son. And from Adam and Eve's standpoint, that's what they needed to learn. That's what you and I need to learn. We can't do it. Only God himself can restore our spirit and our soul. Can reunite us as one and with God. Only God can do that. Well, why doesn't he just do it? Because through that process, there's, I don't know whether we want to call them solical muscles or solical understanding or solical experiences. Think about, think about what Jesus did. He, you know, walked around doing good. And even the apostles and disciples, they walked around doing good. Sometimes they made mistakes. Sometimes they caused, you know, controversy. And it ended not well for most of them. And I'm always kind of encouraged by Paul of Tarsus. His last experience was he thought for sure he considered himself a failure. The churches were falling apart. Nobody was listening to him. Everything that he had tried to do, nobody, and he was going to be crucified, and he was going to be, or, or you know, executed. And he was all alone. He'd been abandoned. And he pretty much think, thought he had failed. And yet, look at the effect he's had on all of us. God loves you as much as he loves Paul. God loves you as much as he loves his son. Because you're one in him. You're not a different. You're not someone different. You know that that line, God will not give his glory to another? You are not another. He gives you his glory. And his honor and his power and authority. It's all there. And again, I think about the disciples walking around with Jesus and him teaching. And I think we just have just the the barest insight into what it was like. I think a lot of it was edited out. I think a lot of it was is misunderstood or misinterpreted by people who are there. 
but even what have an accounting of. Think about what God was teaching them, what Jesus was teaching those who were following him. Now, Jesus knew he would not be with them forever, that he would not be on this earth. He was for forever to teach that, that he himself was not going to raise up his church, that he was leaving it for others to do. Because that was not his main purpose. That was not the project his father had sent him to complete, to raise up his church, to, to, to draw all men unto him. That was not his assignment. His assignment was the crucifixion and the resurrection. then we take it from there. Because you and I have been, have joined in his crucifixion and in his resurrection and his ascension. Because we were in him. Just as he is in us. So our relationship with him and in a sense, think about going back to Adam and Eve. And I, I kind of like using them because they're something, they're people we can all relate to. And we all know that story pretty well. And they have names, but they're not somebody that, they're not people that we know personally. Nobody's going to be offended, I hope. But Adam and Eve. God's love for them did not change. They were in perfect union with God on a Monday. Their spirit's intact. They knew each other after the spirit, and they knew God after the spirit. And they were exercising God's power and authority over his creation all of the, over all the earth. And then Tuesday, you know, Monday night, they ate of the tree. And then God came looking for him, knowing that separation had happened. And a lot of people picture God as being angry. I don't. I think he was delighted. Because that's when it started. That's when his plan, his, his, his new thing started to go into effect. Now, it certainly wasn't pleasant for Adam and Eve and for all of creation because all creation was separated from God because God had given Adam and Eve the power and authority over all creation, dominion, responsibility. So where Adam and Eve were separated, so was all creation. So there's the sadness in that separation and yet it's all part of God's grand scheme. So part of our challenge is to not get distracted with guilt about disappointing God or shame in 
not, you know, hiding from him. But in recognizing that in your spirit, you are fully accepted in the beloved. And your soul is basically part of the project. Now, I don't know if before we came here on this earth, we had the soul we have now, if we had any soul at all, because we're spirit beings. We don't need a soul. We don't need a body. Again, the soul being the mind, will, and the emotions. And we really don't know how they interact with one another. So we're still just talking in generalizations. And I may change my mind tomorrow about how the soul interacts. But for now, this seems to make the most sense when I ask God about how this works. When you use your mind, will, and emotions... you are interacting with the solical realm. When you use your physical senses, when you see, you're interacting with the natural realm. Now, most of us are pretty comfortable using our natural senses. It's not always pleasant. I mean, we can smell something that makes us nauseous, for instance, or a weird sound can give us a headache or, you know, cause pain even, and go on and on. So it isn't all perfect. It isn't all just because we understand how our physical senses work doesn't mean we have control over them or that the results of understanding our physical senses will be that our life is perfect. So part of our challenge is to understand that while we, were, we, while we are here on this earth, we are going to be experiencing physical challenges. And, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So we don't look to how our physical circumstances, how we're doing in the physical realm to reflect how we're doing in our soul or in our spirit. Likewise, in our soul. God is restoring your mind. He's restoring your emotions. He's restoring your will to your spirit. When Adam and Eve were wandering around the garden, Again, they were spirit, soul, and body. Their soul, Adam's soul, was one with his spirit. And his body was one with his soul, and therefore his spirit. There was no distinction between Adam's spirit, soul, and body. In the same way with with Eve. But somehow God had to separate the spirit and soul of each of them in order to accomplish, in order for them to develop whatever it was he wanted them to to develop. 
Now, I think about, too, why did Jesus come as a little baby? You know, God just could have sent his son as a 21-year-old young man. There were things Jesus himself, God himself, had to experience that would parallel our experience because he was going to pay for everything, including what goes on in our youth. And there's a lot of things that we bring our own understanding, our own explanation to the table. This is so often how we choose a church or a doctrine or create a vision, an idea of God and of Jesus and of heaven and hell and the devil and our soul and everything. But your temperament and your is in your soul. Your belief system is in your soul, not your spirit. Because your spirit, you know, your spirit doesn't have doctrine. Your spirit does not have a belief system. Your, in fact, your spirit does not believe in God because it's in God. Your spirit is experiencing every aspect of God, even as we speak. So your spirit doesn't have to use the attributes of your soul. Your spirit doesn't go, oh, I wonder how I feel about God loving me. Or I feel love for him. Or I feel honor for him. Or I'm awed by him. Those are all soulical terms. Your spirit on the other hand, is just with God in him. So there's something, and clearly it's, it's important to God. Whatever it is that we're learning, whatever it is that started this whole process, because I even think the redemption part is simply a, a new chapter in God's great purpose and his purpose is not to get as many people into heaven as he can he doesn't need any help with that he could a second thought and everybody would be in heaven whatever that is he does it's the there's something in the process that he values and you and i were so far from understanding our soul we've been so focused and wrapped up in Christianity, in church, in in service, in ministry, in doctrine, that that now we really have to work and put effort into spending time living as a spirit being. In other words, spending time with God. I think there's going to be a time that we, by experience, are with God. And living our lives. 
doing calculus, brain surgery, eating, driving, and yet fully in God, where all our attention, all our awareness is on him. And our body is just going about doing the requirements for living on this earth. But because our spirit, soul, and body have become one, you and I, our soul, is able to do all the above, can drive and know God at the same time, be, be eating and supping and, and enjoying the presence of God while doing brain surgery or changing diapers. Because as we become one, spirit, soul, and body, our experience here on this earth also becomes one. We don't separate out. This is Christian. This is a ministry. This is normal human life. I've been involved in quite a few different churches attending and involved in ministry, and and. I have noticed that quite significantly, that there is this real separation of value, that being in ministry is more valuable than running the bookstore or in the, being in the nursery or parking cars. certainly not more valuable to God because it's merely a reflection of how distinct and separate our soul and body still are from our spirit. You can be parking those cars out in the parking lot and be one, be in the presence of God fully engulfed, fully aware of who he is, doing both at the same time. Being, hearing every word God is saying, creating new universes, judging angels, reviewing time, past, present, and future, while washing the car, while going to school, failing a calculus test, all at the same time. And we experience those changes. I think there's going to be generalities of, of or commonalities of experience as we become one, spirit, soul, and body. Now, I've mentioned it many times before. I think the greatest commonality is gratitude. That's always a good way to know if you're on the right track. You know, so often we, we try and we, we wonder and maybe things, bad things happen. We wonder, where did we miss God? Did God not hear our prayers, etc., etc.? Are we on the right track? Well, are you grateful? If you're angry, you're on the wrong track. Now, angry with God. If you're disappointed with God, if you're frustrated with him, you're, you're not on the right track. You've missed something. You've taken responsibility 
into your soul that does not belong to your soul. You're trying to do God's work. You only have one throne. Don't let somebody else try to sit on it. Your pastor, your spouse, your own imagination. That's God's throne. And don't you try to sit on it either. Now, remember in your spirit, you are in Christ. So you are already on that throne. It's your soul, though, that wants to maintain control. As we become one, spirit, soul, and body, those abilities and attributes of our soul and our body are freed. And I always enjoy reading about what Jesus was teaching his disciples. And they, they accepted what he said. They accepted the reality because they saw, but also because his presence provoked their own soul to know the truth. And then they had to take it from there. Just as Adam and Eve had to take it from there, the disciples had to take it from there. And you and I, once we're born again, we have to take it from there. Not in our own strength, not in our own understanding. But work out your own salvation. You work it out because it's in. Your path, your purpose, your projects, your purpose is to know God. But the projects he assigns you, everything you need to know, everything you need for life and godliness, you already have. So take it from here. Go boldly before his throne. Lord, what do we have going today? What's on schedule for today? And then keep your eyes open and expect that God has crafted your day for you. So thanks for uh, your feedback, for your questions. It's always good to hear from you. You can drop me a line at diane at therainersclub.org. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas from Rainers Radio. Have a great night.